Attention all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. Welcome back. It is episode, my goodness, what is this? Episode 18? 18. 18. Do you remember when you were 18? Uh, no, I don't remember much about being 18 at all. Do you? Uh, no. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just threw it out. I don't know. I'm all right, and there all we right, go. That was episode number 18. Thank you for listening <laughs> to MASH Matters. You're going to love yeah. 19. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is exciting. Episode 18 is pretty cool, huh? Yes. Now our podcast is old enough to enlist in the army, yeah, I guess, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> old enough to vote and... Drink uh, drink in some states, I think. Yeah. Or old enough to get a fake ID so you can drink in the other states, you know? And you go to prison, I think, also uh, numerous states at 18. You <laughs> when you turn right 18, they send you right to prison. Right to the slammer. <laughs> Speaking of states, I have uh, I'm in a state of exhaustion because I've been traveling. You have. I was up in Milwaukee for a few days in the land of Arthur Fonzarelli and Laverne and Shirley, and I uh, didn't see any of them. I didn't drink any of the. Uh, I what is it up there? Schlitz? Is that what they make up there? I don't know. Yes. Yeah, I didn't drink any of that. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Do you remember Pabst Blue Ribbon? Yes, PBR. In the land of. <laughs> oh well, I'm sorry. I won't sing anymore <laughs> until we do the Jolson medley i'm not gonna bore you with my singing <laughs> well i have a question you posted something on facebook about going in and hearing your own voice yeah what was that that sounded like a cool experience it was it was a surreal experience for me a uh, little backstory um my day job when i'm not making oodles and oodles of money doing this podcasting gig is uh marketing i i write and produce radio commercials i i write things for the websites and things like that for various clients around the country and we work with uh, several clients actually in the milwaukee area and i produce radio commercials well occasionally when an extra voice is needed for one of these commercials i'll just use my own voice and so i had done that recently and actually i had forgotten that i had done that recently so uh, we were in Milwaukee to meet with uh, one of our clients and we walked into a restaurant for breakfast. They had radio, a local radio station playing over the speakers in the restaurant. And the first thing I heard was my own voice. Wow. And that was so that was so surreal. I'll bet. I'll <laughs> because bet. when you walk in and you hear that, you know, the first thought was, Wow, that guy sounds like me. <laughs> and then the next thought was, no, idiot, that that is, is you. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Did you get a uh, a residual for it? I mean, uh, did the restaurant no, give you anything? No, or? no. And I announced to the restaurant, you oh, know, yeah. everybody hey, that's me. that it was me and nobody cared. You oh. know? Show biz is tough, man. Yeah, I guess. In my, see, if you were in Los Angeles, you'd have had starlets all over you. People have been sending you martinis and uh, some uh, bagels or something. <laughs> and it was a tough room. Let yeah, me just tough say. Room. Well, it was a tough room. Yeah. It's a tough place. <laughs> You're right. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Do you remember like the first time that were you ever in a public place and MASH was on in the background or you saw your own face on TV in a public setting or, or do you have any memories of anything like that? Well, here's a wacky story. And I, I digress uh, from the subject of MASH just for a second. Sure. I was in a store, a kind of electronic store where they have, uh, you know, 16 different televisions on showing the same show. Yes. And you know, you're looking at the TVs trying to figure out which one you want to buy. Mm -hmm. And so I walk up and I'm looking at the TVs and 
a woman walks up and stands next to me and she's looking at the TV and there's a singer on the TV and she looks at me and she looks back at the TV and looks back at me and she looks back at the TV and she says, oh, you know, that's, that's Barry Manilow. I said, oh yeah, yeah, Barry Manilow. Yeah, singer, he's pretty good. So she looks back at the TV and she looks back at me and she looks back at the TV and she's back at me and she says, you know, you look like Barry Manilow. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've been told that before. People have said that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So she toddles away, and I'm standing there looking at the TVs, and this guy walks up. <laughs> and he's looking at the TV, and we're standing there, and he's looking at the TV, and Barry Manilow is singing his heart out, and he looks at me, and he looks back at the TV, and he looks back at me. He's, Mary Manilow. <laughs> I said, yeah. Barry Manilow looks back at Barry and looks back at me. He says, he's one ugly son of a gun, isn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That guy, he's, he needs a bag over his head, pal. Good grief. Wow. I don't know how he's not cracking the screen with a mug like that. So I left. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they didn't they didn't make a sale on a TV that day, I guess. They huh? did not. No, they didn't. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I would like to think that somewhere in America right now, somebody is uh, standing in front of a TV display with Barry Manilow and an episode of MASH is on. Yeah. And somebody looks over at him and says, you know, you look like Jeff Maxwell. <laughs> Hopefully no one will say he's one ugly son of a gun, isn't he? <laughs> So uh, just to jump right back in here to MASH. Uh, oh, yeah, MASH. Right, right, right. <laughs> the last episode, we talked about remakes and we talked about the Jeffersons and we talked about the All in the Family remake that Jimmy Kimmel did on ABC. And we opened it up. What would happen if there was a remake of MASH? If they said, hey, let's take an old script and let's redo it with new people. What are your thoughts on that? What What do you think? Um, we thought we'd just kind of run through some of the feedback that we got on that topic. Beginning with our friend Tina Marie Krasner, friend of the podcast, Tina Marie. All right. These are her suggestions. I'm going to start with Mulcahy. Andrew Garfield. <laughs> okay. Hot Lips. Amanda Seyfried. Mm-hmm. Charles, I feel like I'm reading <laughs> nominations for <laughs> Charles, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, hmm. Radar, Jaden Smith. You know what's weird? See, I don't know who Jaden Smith is. Jaden Smith is Will Smith's son. Oh, gotcha. Okay, I see. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. Interesting. Klinger, Jake Gyllenhaal, or Gyllenhaal, whichever one you'd like. Gyllenhaal, yeah. Gyllenhaal. Um, Potter, Harrison Ford. Hmm. BJ, Zach Braff, and of course, Hawkeye, Joel McHale. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. I'm dizzy from this. I, <laughs> I, 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 it's an interesting cast. Now, now yes. she goes on to say, this is who she thinks should be in a reboot of MASH. Not that she ever wants to see that. Right. She goes in all caps. She doesn't want it to happen. Yeah. But this is her list if she were to cast a remake of MASH. Some interesting choices in there. Harrison Ford as Colonel Potter. That would be one gruff curmudgeonly Potter. Yeah. But hey, this is her cast, not mine. Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Charles is also an interesting choice because I don't see him, but maybe yeah. he could stretch and, and do that. I don't know. Jaden Smith as Radar is an interesting choice. And Joel McHale as Hawkeye. That's the one that I suggested in the last episode as well. So, so 
thank you, Tina Marie, for uh, hopefully, hopefully this will never happen. And we don't have to see any <laughs> yeah. of these people in any of these roles. I, I love this. Yeah. And all caps. But don't really attempt this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Missy Smith, she she also threw in her nickels worth and said that she could see Ryan Reynolds playing Trapper. Oh, she could probably see Ryan Reynolds anywhere in her house. Oh, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I would like to see uh, Ryan Reynolds take on the <laughs> Nell Carter role in the Give Me a Break remake. <laughs> but that would be actually he would be that, that that's a good character. That would be a good Trapper guy. I think so. If I force myself to go, oh, OK, let's play the game. I guess so. He would be good. And honestly, Ryan Reynolds, I think, could probably make a good Hawkeye as well. He could. Yeah. Kenneth Phillips says, you know, some may not realize this, but uh, the TV series itself was a remake of the original feature film directed by Robert Altman in 1970, which also starred Gary Berghoff. So did you know that? Did you know? Well, I I was aware of that. Does anybody here in the room know that? (laughs) I don't know that. No, I don't know that. All right. I'm not sure. Very many people knew that. How many people are there in the room with you? Well, we have a crowd. (laughs) I didn't know we had a studio audience. No, no. We have a whole crowd here. Oh, wait. We have a bird, too, but never mind. Sorry. We need to start every episode with MASH Matters is filmed in front of a live studio audience. (laughs) We hope our listeners are live, (laughs) too. But, you know, it's uh, honestly, though, there may be new people to the series who don't realize that MASH was originally a novel and then was made into a movie, which was then spun off into a television series. There may be a, a segment of the population that is not aware of the movie. That's very true. There may be a segment of the population, and I am proof positive of of that that isn't even aware of a television show called MASH. Yeah. That's the truth. I was asked to speak at a school along with a couple of other people who are in show business and various facets of it. And I went to the school and there were about 60 kids there in high school, sort of focused on show business acting and writing. And so they were all kind of interested. And that's why this group of 60 kids were chosen to be with these show business people. So there was a songwriter and a guy from as an executive from the music industry and somebody else who turned the lights on and various facets of it. And I was there as an actor, talk about acting. So I got up and I, I asked this question because I thought I knew the answer to the question. I was expecting to see every hand go up in the room. So I said, well, raise your hand. How many people have seen MASH? Two. Wow. Two kids raised their hand. And I thought it was a joke. I thought people were playing a joke on me because I said, wait a minute. Oh, <laughs> no, seriously, how many? Nobody. There were 58 kids in that group that had not ever seen the television show MASH. Mm. So that was a wake up call for me. I thought, gee, the time is marching on <laughs> and things happen. Yeah. And people have lives and not everybody watched the show. Well, as soon as Jimmy Kimmel does the remake with Jake Gyllenhaal and, uh, you know, the the Jonas Brothers or whatever uh, <laughs> playing, playing Radar, um, they will all know. They will all know. So it is Gyllenhaal, right? It's Gyllenhaal. I, I, Gyllenhaal, yeah. Gyllenhaal or Gyllenhaal. I'm not, a, I don't know. It, it really is Gyllenhaal. I wish sometimes these actors would give some kind of phonetic spelling of their names so we know how to pronounce some of these names. Well, that, yeah. Because I did not know until he passed away. Jake passed away? No, no, no. Oh. Whether it was David Ogden Stiers or David Ogden Steers. Uh-huh. I had heard it pronounced 
both ways sure. by various people. Yep. So, yes, I, 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 you never know sometimes how to pronounce some of these people's names. You don't. But uh, yes, it's Gyllenhaal. All right. And it's uh, Jeff Maxwell, Max right? Maxwell. Maxwell. Yes. Maxwell. <laughs> We're going to have a class. <laughs> a couple more here. Uh, Gabrielle Fortier said, thank you so much for answering a question on the last episode. Made her day. As for the MASH remake, she agrees with us. She just can't picture any other actor playing these roles. It would almost be sacrilege to do a remake because MASH is already great on its own and she hopes it never happens. I think that's the overall feeling from most MASH fans. And then... Uh, Team Bamboo <laughs> <laughs> on team, YouTube. Team Bamboo. What is Team Bamboo? Do we know? What do they do as a team? I don't. Well, I, you know, it's kind of like Team Wicker, maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> team Bamboo <laughs> versus Team Wicker. <laughs> I was I'm giving you four points for that. I love that. Team Wicker. <laughs> you didn't even take too long. And you're tired and you still came up. I am. I am. I'm much funnier when I'm tired, by the way. <laughs> Uh, what did he say? What did Team Bamboo say? Team Bamboo said, this podcast is a great way to catch up with what has been going on in the world of MASH, and it has gone off the air. And I agree with Tim, Tim, Team Bamboo. Well, maybe it's Tim Bamboo. Maybe he, <laughs> maybe you spell the rest. Tim Bamboo. Well, Jim, thanks. For, and he says, big fan of the show and trying to reboot it would be a huge Mistake. You cannot go back in time. Oh, I wish we could, though. Oh, man. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, Yeah, we could start this over. <laughs> Do it for real. Okay. Exactly. And to wrap up this discussion of the MASH remake, Charlene Christian sums it up in one word. No. no. That's all she put. No. And I want to give a shout out. To Jack Layer, you know, we record the podcast and then I will go through and edit the podcast and produce it. And then after that, I'll think, OK, what's a good uh, episode title? And by the time I get to the episode title, I'm so tired and worn out from producing that uh, that half the time the, the titles suck. And um, Jack Layer, he suggested a perfect title for the last episode. The, the actual episode title was Remaking MASH with a question mark. But he he brought up that it should have been for want of a reboot, which is uh, perfect because there was a, a MASH episode called For Want of a Boot. And so, Jack, I look forward to hearing what your much better title is for this episode after it's produced. We don't have to send Jack a gift card or anything, do we? I mean, <laughs> no, no, we don't. We that that ship has sailed. That's We're one not time, out one cards. time only. <laughs> <laughs> So let's say we jump into some questions here. All right. From Sue Ann. Oh, come on. Alderice, Alderice, Alderay, Alderi, Aldero, Alderice, Alderici, Alderici, Alderici. See, I'm telling you, Gyllenhaal, David Ogden Styers. Yeah. Sue Ann Alderice. Uh, Sue Ann Alderice. <laughs> For Ryan, okay, Ryan, thanks for mentioning my comment on Facebook. I appreciate the response. Hey, cool, man. Hey, you are so welcome, Sue Ann. You're welcome. 
I have no idea what I did, but you're welcome. I'm sure it was really good. Yes. For Jeff, I listen to MASH Matters when I drive to and from work here in Queensland, Australia. I make all right. <laughs> it is an hour and a half drive each way, so keep making more episodes so I have plenty to listen to. All right. You drive careful, Sue Ann Alderizzi. Wait, does she want us to make an hour and a half long episode for her? Uh, yeah, I guess so. What is that? I mean, it's a $5,000 <laughs> fee for a custom payable Let's give him the bank rooting number now. Yeah, just just private messages for that information, uh, Sue Ann, and we'll make an hour and a half long episode <laughs> just for you. Okay. Where we talk only to you. Only to you. Anyway. Very yeah. quietly, as a matter of fact. <laughs> you might just drive off the road when you hear our private <laughs> podcast. Uh, she goes on to say, Dear Mildred is my favorite episode. I am a sucker for that touching moment when the supposedly male horse is walked into Potter's office. Now, how did you see she noticed that, that that was a male horse? I didn't even know. I wouldn't have looked. But Sue Ann <laughs> took her eyes off the road. No, in Sue Ann's defense, all right, all right. they do refer to the horse as a he in that episode. Okay. It's such great acting as the emotion of the moment is easy to pick up. I'm curious, and I'm not sure we will ever find out, but who mucked up the continuity? Because after that episode, the beautiful male horse is named Sophie. Hmm. Well, I think it's obvious that the horse identified as Sophie. And so, therefore, exactly from that moment on. Uh, no, I. From I, that uh, moment on, <laughs> Sophie. This opens up a discussion about continuity. Mm -hmm. Maybe the next time we have one of the writers on the podcast, this is a question I would like to ask because there are many examples of continuity errors through the entire series. Now, some of them I can understand. You know, there are little things that were put in here and there. You know, somebody mentions something in a very early season two episode and then later in season eight, you know, it's it's different. Obviously, things like that are going to happen. But yeah, in this episode, Dear Mildred, Radar gifts a horse to Colonel Potter and they refer to him as a he through the entire episode. And then, you know, in like the next episode or two episodes later, suddenly the horse is a mare and it's Sophie. So it's interesting to me that, you know, that short of a time span in episodes that a big continuity error like that would be made. And then in there, you know, throughout the series, Hawkeye in season one, he says he's from Vermont. And then for the rest of the series, and I believe even in the original novel, he's from Maine. He, in one of his letters to his dad, talks about say hi to mom. And later in the series, he talks about his mother passing away when he was young. Margaret, her father, early in the series, she mentioned something about her father being dead. But then her father comes and pays a visit to the, the 4077th in a later episode. Potter says he's from Nebraska in one episode, but the rest of the series, he's from Hannibal, Missouri. Sydney. Sydney was first named Milton when he makes his first appearance. Uh, Milton Friedman, but then for the rest of the series, he's he's Sydney Friedman. Obviously, as the show is going, as it's being produced, they may not be noticeable. But then in retrospect, when you're able to binge watch the entire series now, 
you you notice these these little continuity errors and i don't know do, do shows have show bibles so if a new writer comes on they can go back and see oh this person was from maine so we need to make sure that we're saying that he's from maine or you know it's a good it's a good question my guess is i didn't have anything to do with writing the show so i can't address it or anything i say is going to be made up just based on what i know and what i've experienced but in writing the show, and I think we had we had Dan Wilcox on, who was a writer, and John Rappaport, who's a writer, mm-hmm. and they talk about the writer's room and being in a room with other writers and pitching ideas and pitching storylines and pitching themes and pitching a story, and the people will hang things on it. Well, here's here's another B story, and here's some jokes, and here's how where he could go here, and here's how we could do this, and so those stories become bigger and much more important to them than those. And I don't want to say little because they're not, but in the grand scheme of thing, in terms of are we more concerned about making this story work and can we get from A to B at in the end of the show and make this story arc work really well, then we are about what gender the horse is or was. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's how it happens. They're more concerned about so many other issues rather than those smaller ones that it just happens and somebody's not thinking or not worrying about it. And they go, oh, yeah, the horse and she does this and she does that. So the fact that the horse used to be a male is not so much important as them getting the story out. So they kind of just gloss over it, forget, don't pay any attention to it. Hmm. I think that's how it happens. I mean, certainly Hawkeye his name didn't change, you know, one, one oh, year right, it didn't right. change to Bill, you know, he wasn't, you know, he was always right. like, so those right. kinds of things and, and the characters, you know, they developed, um, but they hung on to kind of basically their, their hearts, you know, the themes of their characters. So, yeah. And you you made a great comment about binge watching. We can do that now. So we can sit and watch DVDs or watch the, you know, the show on television. You can watch the whole darn, every, every show made mm-hmm. of MASH if you want. And that's when you see it. But as you were watching it, probably when you were first watching it, you probably didn't see those things. You, you probably right. didn't. Maybe you did. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there are you know, people really looking for it. And maybe you did. But I suspect that it's this is kind of a product of being able to watch the show over and over and over and over and over again. And that's suddenly when all these things are very visible, I guess. Yeah. Who knows? And obviously, there are so many different writers that came in over the seasons. And sure, it's going to be hard to keep track of every little detail. Mm -hmm. One continuity issue that has to do with you and your your, your character, and I think we've discussed this on an earlier episode, is early on, Frank Burns asks you, what's your name? And you say Maxwell. Then later, it's Straminsky. Okay, let's let's address that for a minute. Early in in my career on MASH, I was Maxwell. And the writers were then going, I don't know, this guy is, what's he doing? Okay, well, he's doing this joke and he's going to say, what's his name? So, well, what's his name? Oh, he's Jeff Maxwell. Okay, well, it's Maxwell. Okay, so the writers are kind of worrying about making the joke work, making it fit in the scene, and then what's going to happen after that. So, Maxwell's my name. Okay, sure, let's make him Jeff Maxwell or Maxwell. Mm -hmm. Later on, like you say, new writers come in umpteen years later and they're going, oh, well, we've got to have a thing because everybody's referred to a last name. Well, what's this guy's last name? Oh, I don't know. And as John Rappaport said, 
Kurt Metcalf, the executive producer, ended up saying, oh, let's make it Straminsky. Yeah. And he gave me that, that name. So years later, they didn't remember that I had one scene <laughs> said Maxwell. So that's kind of the way that works. And I'm sure it worked differently in various other characters or other situations. But that's kind of what it is. It's, mm -hmm. you know, they're not looking at with a, through a microscope at those issues. They're looking at a microscope about whether or not they're gonna, the story's going to work. So you miss all the other stuff, I guess. <laughs> yeah. They had no idea that 45 years later, people yeah. would be watching it and knowing, <laughs> being able to track every single detail of every character's existence. But it, it certainly is appropriate to talk about the gender of a horse now. So it's, <laughs> it's I guess, uh, up for fodder. Ah, <laughs> I see what you did there. All right, moving on. Uh, Edward Frederick on Facebook, he he uh, sent us a message and said, hey, that's I, two first names. You can't do that. It is. That's not sure. That's not legal. I don't think. Hey, you're talking to Ryan Patrick here. Are you kidding me? Come oh. on. Jeff Maxwell. I'm sorry. Anyway, Edward Frederick says, I just discovered your podcast the other day from a mention on a MASH fan page, and I've already listened to all the episodes. I was familiar with MASH as a kid when it was first on, but it's only been recently in the last few years that I've rediscovered it, so to speak, and became an avid fan. He says, my son, who is almost four years old now, watches with me sometimes and even has a few favorites. I'm not sure of the draw to a four-year-old, but I presume mostly for him it is the parental bond of which you have spoke. He says, I hope to send Jeff something for him to sign for me and my son. I've always been interested in filmmaking and the process. So the production stories are really great to hear as well as the memories. The show is even better than I'd hoped. And you guys are very entertaining as well as informative. I'm glad I got to find this early in your production. And I'm looking forward to all your new shows. Well, thank you, Edward Frederick. Okay, let's send him the gift card. That was nice. <laughs> No, we're going to go broke sending out gift cards. So uh, we love you, Edward. We love you and your 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 four-year-old son. And thank you. But uh, no, we're not going to send you a gift card. <laughs> but, you know, hey, he does mention there, you know, uh, sending things for you to sign. And just a reminder that if you're interested in sending something for Jeff to sign, you can find the address on the Contact Us page on our website, which is mashmatterspodcast.com. And make sure you send along a self-addressed stamped envelope as well. Please. And then I will do that. And if you have pictures of me or something, a lot of people are doing this and it's really cool. You can print a picture off off of the website or the Internet or whatever. That's great if you can exclude that because I can sign that. And they're a lot more fun than some dumb headshot I have. So that's great. <laughs> so include that and I'll sign that and make that uh, stamped self-addressed envelope, especially if you're writing from Korea or, you know, some or Austria or something. It's really helpful to have the uh, stamped self-addressed envelope. When you said, you know, if you're sending me photos of me, I thought you meant like, you know, a private investigator is following you and taking photos of you. I, I can't talk about that uh, right now. <laughs> but what we can talk about is a question from Scott Lawrence from Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. Jeff and Ryan, wanted to start by thanking you so much for reading my email on Adam's ribs. It truly made my day to hear it read and hear Jeff's incredible insight. All right, another gift card on the episode. <laughs> I wondered what, Ryan, you felt as a fan when we had the changing of the guard episodes where, where Henry and Trapper left and BJ and Potter were introduced. Also, when Frank and Charles 
were changed out. What did you feel, Ryan? What did you feel? Also, from Jeff's perspective, what was it like on the set when actors who had been on the show were leaving and the introduction of new actors to replace them? I just finished watching the final episode of season three and noticed that Jeff is walking to the chopper with Henry before he left. I cannot describe how much these insights increase my true love for this show and hopefully do the same for the others listening to it, even if, like me, they have seen each episode 10 to 15 times. All right. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. And now to, to address his uh, question to me about uh, the changing of the guard. Yeah. You know, Henry leaves. Here comes Potter. Trapper leaves. Here comes BJ. Frank goes out. Charles comes in. It's interesting because I, I don't know that I can give an accurate answer here because, yes, I was watching when the original run was was still on CBS I watched more, though, after the show ended is when I really started loving the show. And so I would watch it in syndication. And oftentimes in syndication, they never run the show in order. So you will get one night an episode with Frank and the next night there's Charles. So it's hard for me to describe how it felt as a fan who was watching the show from day one on the original run on CBS to know how it felt when, oh my gosh, Trapper's gone. Who's this guy? Who's BJ? Oh, Frank's gone? Thank goodness. Oh man, they got another guy who's just as bad as him. Or, oh my gosh, Henry, God rest his soul, rest in peace, Henry Blake. Oh, this, who's this Harry Potter or Harry Potter? Who's this, <laughs> who's this Harry Morgan? Who's this Carol Colonel Potter? Who is this Harry Potter? Why is he, and why is he treating me like why this? Why is he playing Quidditch <laughs> through the 4077? No, I, <laughs> that wouldn't be something. Now that's now, a crossover that's I want to see. That's now a remake. Talking. <laughs> yes. Somebody get on that. See, I'm tired, folks. I'm tired. Um, so it's hard for me as a fan. I, I I mean, I can tell you, you know, now that I can watch the series in uh, its entirety in order, it's kind of nice to be able to watch it in order because you do start seeing certain themes creeping into some of these characters. And also as a fan, I know what's coming. I know Henry is, spoiler alert, going to perish in a, in a, a plane crash. And I know that Potter is going to come in rather stern, but he's going to soften up as as the show goes on. And so it's hard for me to accurately and adequately answer that question, Scott, because I've watched it out of context my entire life. I've watched it out of order. So I would love to hear from maybe uh, some fans, some listeners who did watch the original run and, and maybe their feelings when Trapper went home and BJ came in. How did you feel? Because I don't know that I can adequately uh, answer that question. I think you did, uh, frankly. <laughs> you just did, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah, no, that's your experience. And it's a good point yeah. that you were you were watching it in syndication. And so they did change on you every day. And so you, you were sort of, uh, you know, braced for it. Uh, whereas yeah. if you're yeah. wa watching it, you know, in the original run, you might not have been. So. And, I, and I said listeners who watched it on the original run, but that's that's unfair because right now there aren't people who are being introduced to the show because, you know, you can stream it on Hulu now in order and do the same thing. So there are people who are coming to the show brand new for the first time who are watching this and maybe they're listening here. And if so, I'm sorry that I spoiled the Henry death for you. But um, uh, I, I'd be interested in hearing from you, too. 
Because now that you can binge watch it in order, how does it make you feel when you have grown to love Trapper and then all of a sudden Trapper's gone? And the other thing is that in its original form, we were watching it every, uh, let's, I, I think it was Tuesday night. So you'd see one show and you had to wait a week before you saw the next show. Mm-hmm. And if it was on a season, you had to wait till the next season to see what was going to happen to a specific character. Right. So there was a lot of time involved. Now, there's not, a, it's, you know, there's 20 seconds so for you to flip to the next episode. And I wonder how that actually kind of affects the the emotional connection to the characters by virtue of the fact that you didn't have to wait. You could see it right away. I wonder if it it actually increases it or it lessens, you know, kind of that connection because you can. That's a great point. Yeah. Interesting kind of thing. It's a whole different world, you know. Yeah. These young people today. My goodness. <laughs> So the second part of that question is for you, Jeff, and and what was oh. it like on set when new actors came in to fill these roles uh, that, uh, you know, are beloved? These are beloved characters, and then they're gone, and here, here comes somebody brand spanking new to this established show. Was it strange? Was it awkward? Or did a lot of these people just fall right in and, and be a part of the family? I didn't care. I... <laughs> <laughs> I, who? Okay, good. Who are you? What are you doing here? You, are you supposed to be here? Please step out of the way. I can't see the director. <laughs> Don't talk to me like that. You know who I am. <laughs> you, know, you know who I think I am? I am Igor Maxwell Straminsky. Hall. <laughs> That's me. Uh, yeah. The uh, Okay, what was it like? I don't know. Let me think about that. Well, um... Okay, this goes back to kind of my sort of theme about who I am with regard to the show and in versus a fan. And to me, my entire life there, it was a job. It was a good job, probably one of the best jobs I ever had or ever will have. So I loved the job. I loved being around the people. I loved the craft. I loved doing all the stuff. I loved being at a studio. I loved the fascination of show business. I loved all of the stuff around it, all of the sparkly stuff. I loved it all. But I wasn't emotionally connected necessarily to the characters like I would have been had I watched the show every week or even binged watched it. So when it happened... It was kind of, um, okay, this is the business. This is the job. You kind of have to adjust whatever you do, whatever your job is, something happens and you adjust to it. You may not like it or you may like it more, but one way or the other, it's just another day. So I, I don't mean to dismiss my appreciation for the actors who I liked and who left and who I kind of went, oh, gee, that's too bad. What a bummer. Well, but I had the feeling that whatever happened, it was going to be okay. And these people who were very talented at putting the this, this show together were going to make good choices. And whatever came in was going to work. Probably I was more confident than the, the people who were actually doing it. <laughs> I, I was. I, I had no doubt that it was going to go on. And frankly, and I'll say this, I, I think on some level, as long as they didn't pull the character of Hawkeye out of that show, things were going to be okay. Trapper left, obviously a big deal in the, in the show and in the show's history. We knew it was going to be okay. 
because you still had, you could still relax knowing that that character of Hawkeye was going to be there and kind of run things around. And that's, I mean, that says a lot about the show. It says a lot about the writing and the, the cast that you can take a major character out of the show and replace that character throughout the series. This happened three times for that to happen three times in the run of a a successful show like that. And it really didn't miss a beat. Right. That says a lot about the show and the writing and the acting and, you know, as a whole, that it was, it was so strong that it could withstand three major changes like that. Uh, Yeah. And I, and I think it's, you know, I don't want to mention Alan Alda by name, but if I were to. Yeah, you don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that because he told me never to drop names. So Alan Alda told me once <laughs> never drop names. Uh, well, him and Sinatra, but I don't want to go into that whole thing. <laughs> he was he, he did emerge as kind of the leader and the star of the show. He just did. And all the words and and all so much of MASH kind of went through him. And so it, it enabled room to be able to, you know, change some characters and not miss a beat. Certainly we all felt bad and we kind of missed somebody for about 11 minutes, but the, like you said, the talent of the actors and the ability of the writers to, you know, pick up the slack was so terrific that it wasn't long before we went, yeah, who was that guy? I don't remember. This guy's funny. So, you know, as long as that rhythm, that, Hawkeye character, which was kind of leading the charge, was kind of all was still there. I think the show was going to work one way or the other. Or, however, we will have some guests, and this is a we won't say who yet, but we will uh, have uh, a guest on our show that was also on Mash, who may be able to address this very directly from a very personal point of view. And that's going to be very exciting to hear his version of what that felt like. We're not going to drop that name. We will not drop <laughs> not, that name. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. We don't want to jinx anything. Uh-uh. No, we've been talking for a while. So we're just going to go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you for listening. We love, love, love all of these questions and all of these stories. We can't tell you enough how much it means to us to hear from you. And if you would like to reach out and send in a question or uh, your own story of what MASH means to you, why does MASH matter to you? We want to hear. You can go to mashmatterspodcast.com. Email us there through the website. It's mashmatterspodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at mashmatters. Facebook, YouTube, and you can also call and leave a voicemail at 513-436-4077. And, you know, if you're loving this podcast as much as we love bringing it to you, tell a friend. You know somebody who loves MASH. Please share this podcast with them. That would mean so much to Jeff and myself. So thank you so much for doing that. And uh, Jeff? That's that's Geff, actually. I'm changing it to Geff. (laughs) Geff Maxwell. Geff Gillenhall. Yeah, you know, I I have to say, I say some silly things sometimes about various uh, subjects and even the people who write in, but I just want to say everybody who writes in and, and says anything or posts anything or gives us a good review, it's heartfelt. And we really, really appreciate it. And we really, really thank you, no matter how much fun we make of you. We really thank you for doing it. And we thank you for listening to this podcast, most importantly, because it means a lot to us. And we know that it means a lot to uh, a lot of folks. So we appreciate it. And we thank you very much. And until next time, here's looking up your old address. There you go. Mm-hmm.